Today we talk about greed, and before you think of someone else, I want you to hear how we define greed and what the Bible says about greed and how it may just be hiding in your heart. Welcome to Awaken to Grace. Today we're talking about greed. We're in a great series called Emotions That Destroy. And you know, before studying for this sermon, I didn't realize how much I struggle with greed. I thought people who struggled with greed, or at least people who were vulnerable with greed, were those who were wealthy and had a lot of money. I didn't realize that um, people like myself can struggle with it as well. Well, I hope that you find yourself in the scriptures that we share today and that the Word of God would have great transformation upon your heart and in your life as it is mine. And while you're turning to Hebrews chapter 13, the first thing I want you to write down if you're taking notes today is I want you to write this down. Greed disguises itself. That's the trouble with greed. It disguises itself. It masks itself. If we're going to Guys, I can hear a little talking over here if you can help me out. It's distracting me just a bit. If we are going to take the mask off of greed, if we're going to take the disguise off of greed, you and I are going to have to have the Word of God to do it. Now, if you're like me, and let's just be real today, that's one reason why I'm sitting down in my chair today is because I want to have a conversation with you. If you're like me today, I wouldn't necessarily consider myself greedy. And let me tell you why I would not consider myself greedy. is because in my estimation, I don't have enough money to be greedy. When I think about greedy people... I think about people who have enormous amounts of money and they'll do everything they can to protect it. In my view, I don't have enough to be greedy. But do you know what I'm learning in my study of this topic of greed? I'm learning that money has nothing to do with greed. Or at least the amount of money. It doesn't matter how much a person has and it doesn't matter how little a person has. You can be consumed with greed. You can allow greed to reside in your heart. People who are very, very poor can be greedy. And people who are very, very rich can be greedy. It's not a matter of how much somebody has. It's not how much stuff or how many assets or how much cash they have that somebody is greedy. So if you're like me... Previously, I've pictured really wealthy people that they're the ones who are susceptible to greed. They're the ones who are vulnerable. They're the ones who can be 
potentially in danger of it, but not somebody like me. Not true. So today, as we go through the Word of God, I want you to be careful that you don't think about other people. (laughs) You know, greed is one of the hardest things to self-diagnose. You know that? Because, again, you feel anger, but you don't always feel greed. So today, if it's okay with you, and I'm going to ask your permission, like going to see a doctor, is it okay if I poke and prod on you a little bit? (laughs) You laughed nervously. (laughs) I need your permission. Is it okay if I poke around a little bit and see what's there? I've taken the word of God and I've evaluated my own heart, and I'll be honest with you. I've not liked what I found, and I want to change a lot of that. So let's run some tests on ourselves today. And let's see, I don't want to diagnose greed in others because that's none of my business. I want, to, I want to detect it in me. I want to diagnose it in me. Hebrews chapter 13, beginning with verse 5. As a matter of fact, let's begin just a little bit beyond that because I want to show you a link that I found fascinating this week. The author of Hebrews, and we don't know who wrote Hebrews, uh, to my remembrance. I believe it's the only book of the Bible that we don't know the author. People tend to think that the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, which could be incredibly true. But we don't know its author. But that doesn't matter. We don't need to know the person who authored it. We know who authored the Word of God, and that's the Holy Spirit of God, right? For all Scripture is breathed out by the Holy Spirit. And it's profitable for us. So when I refer to this section of scripture, you'll hear me say the writer or the author of Hebrews. And that's because we don't technically know who the person was. Although we know truly it was the Holy Spirit. So the author of Hebrews is going to say something that in my estimation is fascinating. He's going to talk about marriage for a moment. And he's going to write and he's going to say, let the marriage bed be kept honorable and undefiled. Let the marriage bed be honorable and kept undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral. Is that not a message our society needs to hear today? For God will judge the sexually immoral. So the Bible says those of you who are married as well as those who are not married God will judge the sexually immoral. But to married families, the Bible says, keep your marriage bed honorable and keep it undefiled. Keep it in the grace of God. Keep it holy. Keep it pure. Keep it righteous. Keep it God-centered. Keep it pleasing to the Lord. Now, if I were the author of Hebrews, I think I would have said something else along marriage there. I would have said, keep the marriage bed uh, undefiled and, and, and keep it holy and, and God will judge the sexually immoral and then I would go on and say something like this. I would have said like, be kind to one another. Be compassionate to one another. Serve one another. Be respectful to one another. Be affectionate to one another. Communicate for crying out loud with one another. I would have said something like that. But do you know what God said? Look at verse 5. Keep your life free 
from the love of money. Oh, what instruction that is. You know, uh, many Christians are surprised when they learn that the Bible references faith about 500 times. The Bible references heaven about 500 times. The Bible references hell about 500 times. And shockingly enough, it is money and it is possessions that the Bible mentions more than 2,300 times. More than faith, more than heaven, more than hell combined. The Bible talks about money and possessions more than those three massive topics combined. Why? Because Jesus knew that it's one of the greatest struggles of our life. When I meet with marriages in the counseling office, so often, inevitably, we, we always come back to one issue among many issues and communication and, and, and uh, you know, there's just, there, there's a hundred issues. But one of the issues that we typically come into is money and how do you manage it and how do you spend it and how do you save it and Opposites attract, and one feels this way, and the other feels that way. And I always encourage couples, don't go by how you were raised. Don't go by what you saw. Don't go by how you feel. Go by the Word of God. Learn the principles of money. Learn the principles of managing your resources. Learn those principles out of the Bible, and then you know it's going to be solid, and that's something both can agree on. And why is it that the author of Hebrews says, keep your marriage bed honorable, keep your marriage honorable and undefiled, and then he makes a direct link, the very next link he says, and keep your life free from money. Because Jesus knows one of the hardest parts of marriage is how we handle our resources. Oh, but I'm not preaching to nobody on that, am I? That's for somebody else. How do you handle your resources? How do you keep your life free from the love of money? I want you to write something down today. I want you to write a couple of things down. I want you to write this down. Greedy people love money. They love it. Greedy people love stuff. Greedy people don't share. Greedy people control. This is what I really want you to write down. Greedy people are afraid. Now watch the logic of the text. If you follow the logic very closely, if you read it very slowly, watch what the author does. Keep your marriage bed honorable and undefiled. Keep your life free from the love of money. Okay, how do I do that? I mean, in my heart, I don't want to love money and I don't want to love stuff. But is anybody else like me? Do you have to have money? Does your power bill pay itself? Do you fill up your gas in your car on your looks? I highly doubt it. Zig Ziglar said it so well. Money's like oxygen. It's not everything. But you got to have it to live. Is that right or wrong? So if we have to have money and we have to have that to survive and God knows that, then 
How in the world do we follow this command, keep your life free from the love of money? I think what Scripture is saying is don't be dominated by it. Don't be controlled by it. Don't be guided by it. Don't let it consume your thinking. Don't let it express who you are. Don't let it put value upon your life, whether you have a lot or whether you have a little. Don't let it determine you. Don't let it value you. Don't let it speak into your life. Keep your life free from the love of it. John Wesley was asked, Every time the man got money, he gave it away. And John Wesley was asked, why do you give money away as soon as you get it? You know what he said? Lest it take root in my heart. That's good. Are we to save for the future? I think so. Are we to prepare for tomorrow? I definitely think so. So where's the line drawn between having a love of money and allowing greed to reside in our heart and following the biblical command, keep your life free from the love of money. How, how is that done? Sorry. Go, go the next phrase with me. Now, see, this is why people come up to me and they'll say, Chad, how is the best way to study the Bible? And I always say phrase for phrase. Read a line and think on it. And then read the next line. Read the scripture and then ponder it for a while. And then read the next. And what you'll find is scripture builds upon the other. It just builds and builds. The Bible calls it line upon line, precept upon precept. So watch what he says. If I'm to keep my life free from the love of money, then how do I do that? And he tells us, be content with what you have. Be satisfied with what the Lord has given you. Oh, what a message we need right now. Because how hard are marketers and advertisers and how hard are stores and and retail and, and the whole holiday season. How hard are they vying for your attention right now? How hard are they trying to get you to say... I'm not going to be happy unless I have that. My life is not complete unless I get that. I'm not going to feel good unless I purchase this. My friend, that's such a lie. That's such a lie. And the Bible says if you want to keep your life free from the love of money, then here's the answer. Be content with what you have. And how many of us can truly say, I'm content today. I'm content with what the Lord has given me. I'm content with what he's blessed me with. I'm content with what the Lord has placed in my hands. I am content. Are you content? See, for many years I've wrestled with contentment and ambition. I love to feel ambition. I love to go for the next step. I love to plan something and see it be successful. I love to grow from this phase to that phase. I love to be reaching forward. I hate to look back. I hate to feel stuck. I always want to be going forward. But can you be content and always go forward? Can you be content and feel that way? Well, let me tell you what I'm learning in my life. 
My ambition is not to be toward my gain. My ambition is not to be toward what I can accomplish. My ambition is not to be toward what I can store or what I can house or what I can fill my life with. My ambition is, be, is to be toward God's kingdom. My ambition is to be to the glory of God, not to the glory of Chad. And when my ambition is set toward the kingdom of God, and I follow Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all the things that I need in life, they are going to be added to me. Then my ambition is not in what I can hold and what I can gain and what I can collect and what I can hold dear. No, my ambition is in God's glory. And then God gives me what I need. And then I can be content. If I gain, I'm content. And if I lose, I'm content. If I lose eyesight, I can be content. Contentment. Are you content with what you have? I'm not asking you to choose ambition over contentment. I'm saying put your ambition in the right place. Be ambitious about the glory of God. Be ambitious about the kingdom of God. Be ambitious about doing God's will for your life today in this life. And then let all the stuff fall where it may. And whether you gain or whether you lose, whether you accomplish or whether you fail... Ultimately, it doesn't matter because your joy is all wrapped up in Jesus. Amen? So keep your life free from the love of money. And then what does he say? Be content with what you have. Why? Why should I be content with what I have? You ready to learn right now? Because Bob, I don't make this stuff up. It's right here in the word of God. All we're doing is just reading it. Well, you're reading it. I'm listening to it. But Keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. Why? Because look what Jesus says. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hallelujah. What a statement. Now let me teach you something. Let me teach you what I'm learning. Let me teach you what I did not know about greed. Greed has nothing to do with materialism. It has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with the, a, a small amount or a great amount or somewhere in between. Let me tell you what greed has to do with, and I want you to write this down. Fear. Greed has to do with fear. See, the greedy person... What a greedy heart really says, and let me, let me just understand this. Greed will mask itself. Greed will say, I'm responsible. Greed will say, I plan ahead. Greed will say, I store for the future. Greed says, I look out for my interest. Because who else will? Greed can mask itself as being responsible, as doing the right thing, as planning ahead. Greed masks itself as being careful and being cautious. 
Now, again, I'm sitting in a chair today because for me, this is a very complicated subject. As Christians, are we to not look, at, <clears throat> look ahead? Are we to not plan ahead? Are we to say, well, I'll just live for the day. And whatever will be, will be. God will take care of me. It's fine. Let tomorrow worry about itself. Isn't that what Jesus said? So am I just to live for the day and not think more than 10 minutes ahead of the future? I don't think that's what the Bible teaches. People who believe that they shouldn't live for the future, I think think they're out of balance. The Bible would say, sluggard, learn from the ant. The ant puts back. There's something, there's a principle there to be learned. I don't think that the Bible expects us to only live for the day. Someone, someone very wise put it this way. We should live like we're going to die tonight. We should prepare like we're going to live another hundred years. It's a great statement. But see, here's where greed gets confusing. Here's where greed tends to hide in the heart. Here's where greed will mask itself. Whereas the Bible doesn't want us to be that person that says, Oh, God will take care of me today and I'll give no thought toward tomorrow. And I won't invest. I won't put back. I won't prepare. I won't be wise. I don't think the Bible in it. See, that's why the Bible says we have to rightly handle. We have to rightly divide the word of truth. You have to rightly handle the entirety of the Word of God. And while the Bible does teach us not to be anxious because the Bible knows our daily need, while the Bible does teach us, give us this day, our daily bread, while the Bible does teach us, don't worry and be consumed with doubt and fear and anxiety about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Yes, there's an element of truth to that, but there's also an element of truth. Be smart. And don't just live for today. There's an L, there's, you rightly handle the word. But then, now see, this is where greed is masked. On one side of the ditch, you have those who they don't, they don't live for tomorrow at all. They only live for the next 10 minutes. But then in the other side of the ditch, you have those who, hmm, they're the ones who says, I'm careful. I'm planning. I'm responsible. I'm doing the right thing. Therefore, I'm going to protect my interest. That can be a mask, my friends. And I'm going to show you how. So Hebrews, before we turn over to Luke 12, let's wrap up this part in Hebrews. Hebrews says, keep the marriage bed honorable and undefiled. God will judge the sexually immoral. Keep your life free from the love of money. How? Will be content with what you have. Why should you be content with what you have? Because Jesus is never going to leave you. Nor forsake you. And then he says, what then shall I fear? What man can do to me? Greedy people are afraid that God isn't going to do what God says. Greedy people fear that God is going to let them down. Greedy people fear that that God will leave them or forsake them. Greedy people feel as though God doesn't have their interest in mind. And 
What if God does? What if God doesn't? Do you know what fuels greed? The what ifs of life. Well, what if this goes wrong? What if the economy fails? What if my health fails? What if I lose my investments? What if I lose this? What if, what if I am generous and I lose out? What if I get burned? What if that doesn't work out? The what ifs of life fuel our greed. If you enjoyed today's broadcast and would like to hear more great content, you can always download our free mobile app, Awaken to Grace, where you can request prayer, find sermons, articles, blogs, music, podcasts, as well as support us financially. You can also visit either of our websites at www.preachingchristchurch.com or www.awakentograce.com for more information about our church or our resource ministry. Thank you for listening to Awaken to Grace.